Welcome to the Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brannan, guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. Ross Brannan is a financial advisor who knows it's not just about your teeth. He helps dental practice owners protect and maximize today's cash flow to plan for tomorrow's cash needs. Find him at rossbrannan.com. On the show, he brings together experts to help dental professionals looking to make smart money decisions to grow their income, turn their retirement goals into reality, and improve their lives. And now, here's your host, Ross Brannan. Welcome to the show. My guest today is Susan Lekowitz. Susan is the owner and founder of dentalcoaches.com, where she coaches dentists and teams on growth and profitability. She has a very interesting story and an awesome track record. I am excited to get into this one. Susan, welcome to the show. Thank you. So tell us your background. You kind of, you're one of these uh, lifelong dental people. Yes, I grew up in a family where the dad, who was very passionate about dentistry, he loved treating people. He loved the artistry of it. I grew up as a kid with dentures boiling on our stove in our kitchen. He did his own lab work, and he just thought everyone should go into dentistry. It was a really wonderful profession. And I think my dad loved dentistry because my dad loved to eat. And he would talk about, you know, what are you going to do if you don't have your teeth and you can't eat? So, you know, he really influenced me to go into hygiene. You didn't have a choice. Yeah. (laughs) Susan, you're going to dentistry. I don't care what you do. So you started working for him, right? I did. I did. I was a dental assistant when I was a teenager, went to dental hygiene school, worked for him as a hygienist. I have two brothers that are dentists. One's a prosthodontist. One bought his business. The other one bought his building. So my family was kind of wrapped in dentistry. Oh, wow. So you were a hygienist for how many years now? About 20, 20 years. I worked in a couple different offices and I had um, a really great experience working in these offices because these doctors were really growth-minded doctors. And I was starting to get coached by different different coaches in the industry. And I really enjoyed that part of it. And so was it a situation where you, you, you'd seen so much in dentistry, you'd seen your your father do really well. You'd seen your brothers do it. You had been a hygienist. You'd worked for different offices. You'd seen good doctors. And then you probably saw some bad doctors as well. And you're like, golly, I may not have a dental degree, but I think I could teach these docs what the heck to do and do it better. Yeah, I, I believe so. And I really was looking for a way to have a bigger impact and to help more people and to be able to um, work with people who wanted to set goals, who wanted to challenge themselves, who wanted to who wanted to have a bigger impact in their practices with, you know, really creating great dental experiences for patients. So I wanted wanted something a little different, wanted, you know, more of a challenge. So you started dental coaches. Talk about that evolution a little bit. So I started dental coaches in 2017. And I um when I worked as a as a coach for another company, I quickly learned that like one person can't know everything in a dental office. So I created a company where I could bring in other people to help coach my practices on different aspects of the business. So I have a leadership coach. I have a coach who works um, primarily with practice administrators and office managers on, you know, the inner workings of everything that happens at that front desk. I have a hygiene specialty coach. So I have 
a marketing specialty coach, a financial specialty coach. I have people on my team who can um, really support the office in many, many ways. And so one of the focuses, it seems like, and tell me if I'm wrong here, on your on dental coaches is you really want to focus on profitability inside the practice. Because I think there's a lot of practices, they may bring a lot of revenue in, but they don't actually seat all the bottom line or in the in the in the doctor's pocket. So talk a little bit about the growth model you have. So I like to take a look at the practice with um, dental intelligence, uh, an analytic software. And if a practice can't sync with that, we work with different um, Google Sheets and ways to kind of track KPIs. And we look at production per hour for each of the providers. So we look at for any of the doctors working in the practice, any of the hygienists, and we start to set goals on growing their production per hour to um, the average doctor in the U.S. produces around $400 an hour. We work to get them $300 an hour or more in a course of over a year. So, so you're, they're at $400 on average. You're trying yeah. to get them to $700. Right. How many people actually track production per hour? How many dentists, like before they meet with you, do they even have an idea what their production per hour is? Not usually. It's pretty surprising. They might say, well, our daily goal is this or our monthly goal is this. And they don't really get granular with it because they, um, you know, they could have good months, bad months, big months, small months. Oh, it, it averaged out this week. And I like to look at, you know, how can we get really clear on a daily basis? How many patient hours are we working? What's our goal per hour? How do we schedule that? And how do we how do we hit it consistently? And how do we get the team focused on it? You know, because I think so many times a doctor will set a goal and go, oh, our, our goal this month is $80,000. Oh, we're at 60,000 midway through the month. Oh, we're never going to make the goal. And there's kind of the whole the whole team just loses, loses momentum. So so, so you've got so the, the average is 400. Yep. Your goal is to get people to 700. But you've got some clients that are doing how high now? 16, 1700 an hour. So that's, that's that's amazing. Now tell me this. So if I'm the doctor and my goal is $80,000 a month, like you just talked about, you know, how hard is it to get my employees to buy on that when they, they see no fruit from that goal? Or do you have to incentivize, incentivize the staff to kind of join with you in that? Because what, what what's their motivation if it's all, if all the profit goes to me? Right. Well, the way I like to introduce this to the team is that, you know, the doctor's usually hiring a coach to help the practice grow personally and professionally and help each team member grow personally and professionally. And what I'll say to the doctors is, okay, if we're going to create new systems, ask the team to get more focused. And I truly believe that the the dollars and the production is a reflection on how healthy we're getting our patients. It's not about the money. You know, it's about how healthy are we getting our patients? How are we coming to work and being really efficient and focused? And how do we, you know, how do we work better as a team? And I'll say to the doctors, how are we going to celebrate with this team? So depending on their level of profitability, we're either going to create just a simple bonus or a simple celebration at the end of the month, or we're going to set a daily production-based incentive program that celebrates every single day we're over that goal. And if we're hitting that incentive, 
50% of the time in a month, the goal is going up because the goal should be a stretch. So usually what's happening is they're more productive. And if their collection process is, is accurate, right? If they're collecting 98% or more of what they're producing, they're going to be more profitable and they're willing to share, you know, some of that with the team. So it has to be a win-win for both sides. You're right. Yeah. You know, we have to, we have to find a way to, you know, verbally celebrate and and I think financially reward to, you know, the team. Now you talk about KPIs a lot. What KPI and the word the acronym KPI, key performance indicators, thrown around all the time. What KPIs are you looking at? Which KPIs do you see as the most important? So I like to look at production per hour, and I also like to look at how much treatment is getting diagnosed. So the diagnostic percentage, how many patients are we diagnosing treatment to? I like to look at the case acceptance percentage, how many patients are saying yes, and how much of the dollars of that diagnosed treatment is getting scheduled. So So this is where I had my first cavity at 35 years old, and I've only had it was actually two cavities at the same time. And I'm still bitter about it today. And I've only had two cavities in my entire life. I'm 45 now. I got them 10 years ago. It took me 35 years to get a cavity. So I'm pretty maniacal about my teeth. Every time I go to the dentist, like, oh, your teeth are beautiful. So when you talk about diagnosing treatment, I don't have teeth problems. So okay. talk, you know, I'm sure our listeners all know what you're talking about, but this is my podcast. So I can ask the questions for me. It's kind of being selfish here. When you say uh, diagnosing treatment, give me some examples of what those are and that you're talking about. Well, I don't believe in diagnosing treatment that's not absolutely necessary, right? It's not about finding, you know, finding work to do on someone who may be you know, relatively healthy like you. But um, what I like to look at is how do we think of a patient's entire lifespan? And how do we look at what are their risk factors for dental disease? You know, what are their risk factors for dental decay? What type of functional wear problems they might have on their teeth? Are they, you know, how are we helping this patient grow old with the teeth that they have, you know, or how do we, how do we, how do we get away from, oh, well, you know, Ross, you've got a, you've got an older filling here and, and, you know, we're just going to watch it until it breaks down. You know, we're going to do something like that. So I like to think about how do we, how do we help patients understand the importance of being comprehensive with their care and how important their oral health is to their physical health. As well as maybe being proactive in something like, hey, you're grinding your teeth. Well, instead of waiting till those teeth are way much worse, let's let's address the issue now. Right. Be more preventative than, you know, proactive than reactive. Right. So, yeah, everyone has their own treatment philosophy. Right. You can line up 20 dentists and they could all have different treatment plans for the same patient. So we work with clients with where they're comfortable, you know, but. We also kind of work with how do we help the doctor and get the team to support the treatment that's really in the best interest for the patient. So I've developed what I call a case agreement system. How do we get patients to agree to treatment versus how do we get them to accept it? Like you have to accept this, right? How do we get them to understand it? And how do we get them, how do we have different financial options so we can help them put it into their, their budget and their schedule? So let's let's talk about the difference between acceptance and agreements. When I hear that, what I hear is I'm accepting my punishment versus I'm agreeing 
to do something that I willingly want to do. Right. Is that a fair, is that a fair analysis? Yeah. And, and when I I'm agreeing to do something, I'm more willing to give you money versus accepting, you know, bill my insurance and maybe I'll pay you the rest. Or you're agreeing and you're more likely to show up for your appointment, right? And not, right. not like call and say, oh, I don't feel good today. I'm not coming in, you know, or just, or to say, well, I'm just going to say yes now because they're pressuring me, but I'll, I'll tell them I had a work meeting came up, you know, and I'll, I'll cancel that appointment for, for next week. So, you know, it's, it's get it's really, I think, deepening that relationship a little bit more. And, um, I've created a tool that's a financial agreement tool that teams use to help show a patient their different options for paying for care. So this tool has been a really good thing for patients to actually physically sign and agree to, right? So it can be very powerful, right? To to sign a document saying, yes, this is how I'm going to pay for it versus, okay, we're going to bill your insurance and then we'll bill you for the rest. You know, I like to not have to chase the money. You know, like I like to have the patient. So they're agreeing to, hey, let's suppose the treatment is $2,000. Your insurance is going to cover 500 of it. You're responsible for 1,500. You're going to get a payment plan of $100 a month for 15 months, or you're going to do care credit or whatever. And, you know, yada, 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 something like that kind of. Yeah. And I like to have the patient really have a little skin in the game. So we're asking them to put money down at time of scheduling. In order to reserve time in doctor's schedule, Ross, you know, we request that you pay half of your portion, you know, today and then the second half at your first visit. So if you want to spread out payments over time, we work with care credit for patients with healthy credit scores. And we have these other options that have high approval ratings. We can work with any budget. How much a month could you afford? You know, so we try to we consider lowering the barrier to care, right? There should be no barrier to care. Money shouldn't be an issue. We should be able to work with people. But I don't believe the practice should really be the bank unless they're maybe doing Invisalign or unless they've got a really good, clear, you know, clear guidelines, credit cards on file, you know, a real good process for that. What I what I pride myself on and my team prides themselves on is really individualizing what we do. We don't have a cookie cutter approach. We don't, you know, we customize this financial agreement form for every team. We customize their goals. We customize their training. You know, we work, we work with the clients, you know, more on an individual basis than than watch these videos and here you go. You know, here's the paperwork right. video. Go go do it. You know, I don't I don't work that so way. Who are the typical people that you know benefit from working with you the most? What what's the kind of target dental demographic of a dentist? Where are they at in their career? What what are their challenges where they would benefit the most from dentalcoaches.com? So I I work with a lot of a lot of doctors who feel kind of stuck. They feel like they've plateaued. They feel like they're um they're not growing and they're looking for ways to create better systems in their office. They're looking for ways to really work smarter and not harder. I'm also working with a lot of doctors that are saying, "You know what? I want to bring in an associate. I want to I want to grow. I want to be able to really expand my patient base." expand my team. Uh, I work with some people in the startup phase, not a lot, but I do help people, you know, who are just kind of getting started with their career. But mid-career is usually the the majority of the clients that we work with. And what are the results, the typical results that people, when they work with you, like how long until they start seeing results and what are the results typically? So 
I see either anywhere from a 10% to a 40% increase in collections with clients. And, and approximately how long? Well, in nine to 12 months. So, you know, my coaching goes, um, goes month to month. I ask a client, give me 90 days, you know, but after that it goes month to month. And we really get very focused right away on what we're diagnosing, what we're getting scheduled and what we're, what we're collecting. So my clients see an increase pretty much, you know, within four five, six months. So it's, so, it's not a long startup part of it. Um, so, so I talk about this continuum, uh, what, what I call a continuum of kind of opposite extremes in the dental world. You have on okay. one side, you have dentists who basically own a job. Now it's a good job, but it's your own a job. And then you have on the opposite side, you've got dentists who have, who are business owners. They only work a couple of days a week. They make in the seven figures of income a year. And then you got everybody in between. There's no right or wrong one, no right or wrong spot in the continuum. It depends on what you want um, and what you want to do. And obviously owning a business is a skill set. Some people kind of have naturally, others have to kind of learn it and be taught it and coached it. But how much of the challenge that you see is a little bit of a mindset shift from, you know, they may not realize they're owning a job, but they have to kind of shift to business owner. How much of that is what you see is a, is a mindset shift? Well, a lot of it, right? I think a lot, I think a lot of it. And I think it's important to kind of understand your strengths and ask for help when you need it. Right. right. You know, a lot of these doctors are really great with patients, really great, you know, one-on-one. I have people that I work with that help the, help the dentists with really taking a deeper dive into the financials and the profitability and the budgeting of the practice so that, oh, I want to buy, you know, new CEREC machine. Okay. When can you afford that? Or I want to add an associate. What does that look like? So I think it's important to to think about where, you know, where your own strengths are and then figure out who you can get on your team to help support you, whether it's a, you know, fractional CFO, whether it's a coach like myself, whether it's, a, you know, a marketing company. I think all of these different pieces work really well together. And um, I've created, you know, created resources and found resources for my clients to help help in those areas. So. It's a, it's a lot of fun. We have an annual meeting where we all get together. I have a monthly Zoom call with um with the clients. So we've created a community where everybody supports each other as well. So it's nice. What do you see as the biggest challenge that most dentists face? Right now, you know, it's a lot of it's with teams, right? I've never in my coaching career seen so much turmoil in offices with, you know, attracting the right team members, you know, creating the right culture. So right now, I think I think it's with teams. And I think it's also with getting people to kind of rally around, rally around a goal and a purpose, right? So we have to really talk about what is our dentistry doing? You know, let's read our Google reviews. Let's talk about our patient experience. You know, what is really important to us as an office? Then how do we get really focused on what we're doing and support each other? And then how do we, you know, how do we measure that success and how do we compensate well? Are you seeing hiring team members is one of the biggest challenges right now? I think one of them. Yeah. One of them is hiring and keeping, you know, maintaining good team members. I I know a dentist who, had 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 talked about offering some benefits, but just never got around to it because of for whatever reason. And 
they had a couple um, team members, valuable team members leave just because they were frustrated by that. And so, you know. Well, and, yeah. And it's happening in a lot of industries, right? In, in our, in our country where the people, you know, everyone's looking for good talent, right? And how do we, how do we keep people happy and, and working, you know, in our business and, Uh, I'm working with a company where we do a lot of work on communication, you know, on communication as a team, a communication on how we talk with our patients and, you know, looking at how do we, how do we create that really strong culture? So people want to be there, you know, want to be part of these teams. And a lot of my teams have, many of them have been, you know, been in the practice a long time. So, but I think with, with dentistry right now, I think dentistry is pretty recession proof. People will still go to the dentist. People, yeah. you know, people still value their Absolutely. health. So when people say, "Oh, it was a recession coming," I, I don't, I don't buy into that. I start There's always like, a recession coming. Yeah. It's a business cycle, right? So, so just stop, just stop fear mongering, doom and glooming. Right. <laughs> by the time we're there, by the time you know we're in a recession, it's already over. Right. But you know that clickbait of doom and gloom sells. So, like, well, if you had to give one piece of advice to like the average dentist. What do you think the most valuable advice you could give to someone who's a dentist is right now? I'd say get really clear on what you want in your practice, you know, for the next one to five years, get really clear and get really clear with your team and with, you know, expectations, job descriptions and a plan. You know, how are we going to get there? And I think people who who are high performers want to work with other high performers. And, you know, that's what you want to surround yourself with, surround yourself with people that are really going to help you serve your patients well and really change lives. Well, and if you, if you implement the things you're talking about and you grow the way you're talking about growing, I mean, it's just, it's just going to be so much better. Like if you're, if you're trying to sell your practice, it's going to help increase the value of the sale. And if you're not trying to sell your practice, or maybe you were considering selling your practice, when all of a sudden you realize how much revenue you have coming in and maybe you're not working as harder working as hard, you realize, well, maybe I don't want to, or maybe I shouldn't sell my practice, which I know you and I have lots of opinions on. We're going to stay off that topic right now for this call for this podcast. But, uh, but nice yeah, be, so. yeah, it's nice to be a choice, right? How much do I want to work? Do I want to cut back? You know, what do I want to cut out some certain insurance plans that aren't, you know, that have huge write-offs. So I work with a lot of doctors on eliminating their dependence on, on PPO plans. And yeah, I mean the insurance world is the it's the uh it's the it's the game of reducing payouts every year. So I, I think you gotta make sure you're you're limited in your exposure there. Yeah. So right, so Susan, if someone wanted to get in touch with you and talk with you more about what working with you looks like, how do they do that? So my email address is Susan at dentalcoaches.com. And I'll even give you my cell number. It's 860-657-6693. Say it one I mean, more time. 860-657-6693. And that's Susan, S-U-S-A-N at dentalcoaches.com. Yes. And so they can reach out to you, just have a conversation, you can tell them what the process of what, the, what, the, what it's like working together. And you hear what their story is, see how you can help them because you likely can and see if they're willing to commit the effort and the resources to doing so. Yeah, happy to do a, a free coaching call and to, you know, learn more about, yeah. you know. Well, Susan, this has been an interesting, fascinating conversation. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you. Yeah, I've enjoyed it as well. Thank you so much. 
You've been listening to the Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brennan. This has been another episode of Financial Flossing with Ross Brannan, guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. If you liked what you heard, consider subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. For more on Ross Brannan, visit rossbrannan.com. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Paz, Guardian, or North Florida Financial, and opinions stated are their own. External sites and materials are provided for your convenience in locating related information and services. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees expressly disclaim any responsibility for and do not maintain, control, recommend, or endorse third-party sites, organizations, products, or services, and make no representation as to the completeness, suitability, or quality thereof. Ross is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 3664, Coolidge Court, Tallahassee, Florida, 32311, 850-562-9075. Securities product and advisory services offered through PAS. Member FINRA, SIPC, financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York. New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. Arkansas Insurance License Number 16139032. California Insurance License 0L100732023-150073. Expires 125. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.